Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, it is Sunday, July 2nd. 2023. Uh, it's about 9.46 in the evening uh, mountain time here in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Vish. I host this podcast, Creative Control. I have spent the last uh, day and a bit uh, listening to Rick Froberg's voice uh, because I was coming through some audio capturing Rick and I in conversation uh, over the years, stuff I uh, I haven't yet shared on the show. Rick has Rick has been on the show a, a couple of times, uh, at least uh, to my memory. And uh, most recently, he was on March twelfth, twenty eighteen, uh, for episode three hundred and eighty three, uh, where we talked about the new Hot Snakes album, Jericho Sirens. And then prior to that, uh, he was on in twenty fifteen for episode two hundred and seventeen. Uh, Rick helped me facilitate uh, uh, interviews uh, for a documentary I made on his band, Drive Like Jehu. And that, uh, as I say, as I think I said, that came out October 8th, 2015. Uh, and uh, I've said it before, that's the thing I'm most proud of journalistically, that documentary. Um, so yesterday evening... Saturday, July 1st, uh, I came upstairs from watching a movie with my wife and my daughter. I left my phone up here, which I often do <clears throat> when I'm watching movies, and uh, started to get messages that, vague messages actually, that Rick had died, and they turned out to be true. Uh, so Rick, Rick is someone... Um, I've admired for most of my life, and he's someone I, I interviewed many times and got to know on that level, and then we became friends, uh, which happens to me sometimes. Um, when you talk to people enough times over the course of, as you'll hear, the first interview we did uh, ever was in 2005, uh, and uh, that's the first time we connected, But so that's it's 2023, so that's 18 years of talking. Whether it was formally or exchanging texts or or direct messages or whatever on Instagram and just chatting, um, yeah, it's just always been a force in my life. So 
I was really devastated. I am very devastated as I'm talking to you. However, as I started to say uh, near the top of the this, this thing, I spent the last day and a bit listening to his voice, and um, I, it's so unbelievable the news that came out that Rick had died of um, natural causes of what his soulmate, his brother, really, his best friend, I think, John Reese posted John Reese's bandmate uh, in Hot Snakes and Drive Like Jehu and Pitchfork and Childhood Friends posted on Instagram that that Rick had, had died of natural causes and that's where most of the information uh, I that people were sending to me yesterday came from, I think. And then it started to spread, of course, as things do. And then um, today, July 2nd, um, someone named Britt, who uh, is Rick's girlfriend, was Rick was Rick's girlfriend posted from Rick's account to to say that uh, he had an undiagnosed heart condition, um, and that's why he went. So incredibly devastating news. Uh, for, if you haven't noticed or didn't know, uh, this podcast Creative Control is named after a song that Rick and his band Hot Snakes wrote together called Creative Control. Uh, it was a little tr- naming the show as such. Uh, obviously, I thought we could get to what inspires creative people to do things. Um, you know what what it means to kind of take hold of your own destiny. I suppose if I want to get uh, English studenty about it, and and so I, I and and the song I think is about something else, maybe, uh, but it's open to everyone's interpretation. But it was called Creative Control with K's instead of C's, and that's why the show is is named as such. And so I'm gonna. Um, what, what you're gonna hear, if you if you're interested, here is some tape from the various times I've interviewed Rick um, that I had tape for that I could find. And uh, so it took some hard drive digging and, and googling of myself and Rick <laughs> to figure this out. But if all goes well and you stick around, um, you will hear the very first interview that I ever did with Rick. On August, or rather, it was it aired on a on my morning show with my wife, uh, that uh, now wife uh, that uh, was called the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show, and it was an interview with Rick that I did in uh, 2005, and then also on this episode you'll hear an interview I did with Rick on that same show in 2009, April 15th. That was uh, with Rick when he had a new band uh, after Hot Snakes called Obits. Then you'll also hear uh, an interview from that same morning show. Uh, that is Rick talking about the second Obits album. The previous interview was ostensibly uh, to talk about their first uh, debut album, I Blame You, which came out on Sub Pop. And then that uh, second interview in 2011 was about Moody, Standard & Poor, their wonderful second album, came out in 2011. Also in 2011, uh, it was announced that uh, Rick and his band Hot Snakes would be doing some reunion shows at the behest of a band called La Savvy Fav, who curated the All Tomorrow's Party Festival and invited Hot Snakes to reunite, and they said yes. And so that was a phone chat that was really ostensibly for a print piece, I think for Exclaim magazine. Uh, So Rick and I literally just got on the phone. It wasn't ever meant for broadcast or for any kind of airing. Uh, we got on the phone, and I transcribed whatever he said. And I'll tell you more about um, 
those recordings in a little bit. I just want to frame my uh, relationship with Rick uh, for you uh, a little bit. So Rick has been someone who's been a force in my life um, since I was a teenager, like a lot of teenagers uh, who grew up in the mid-90s. You would often hear about phenomena of the late 80s uh, and the early 90s, and you were just a little too young to have seen it, uh, gone to see a band come through. If you live like, like I did, I lived in Cambridge, Ontario. So a couple of years out uh, from heading to Toronto by the time, and to, to see shows um, when uh, Dry Like Jehu would have played at the Rivoli in 1994 or something. I was too young to have probably been even allowed into the show, let alone to have known about it. And uh, my first exposure to them was probably reading about them in magazines or zines like Filler. Uh, I've talked about this zine from Kitchener before. Uh, that uh, that group of people uh, would talk talk to people that I loved. And they did a profile on Dry Like Jehu, and I didn't know what it was. And I was just getting to the age where I couldn't necessarily go to all the shows, but I could start going drive to record stores or ride my bike to record stores. And so I would hear the name Drive Like Jehu. And I finally picked up a copy of uh, Yank Crime, their second album and final album as a band, and uh, bought it used at a used compact disc store in Cambridge and brought it home and was just instantly like, what the hell? I was an aspiring drummer. The drumming spoke to me, The Rick's passion Rick and John, they're playing, and, and Mike Kennedy, guitar playing, all of it just meant, meant the world to me. So I fell in love with Drive Like Jehu, and then I subsequently fell in love with every band that Rick was in, John was in, before Drive Like Jehu, their band Pitchfork, I fell in love with that. And uh, subsequent to that, subsequent to Drive Like Jehu, uh, John and Rick formed the band I mentioned, Hot Snakes, and I got to see them once during their sort of original run, uh, I saw them in 2004 at Lee's Palace. And um, yeah, I actually, so I'll try to get to everything I can here in a, a bit of a jumble, but Hot Snakes broke up in 2005. Rick started uh, the band Obits with uh, some fine people in Brooklyn. Um, I ended up seeing Obits a bunch in different Often in Toronto and London, Ontario, I saw them in St. John's, Newfoundland, memorably at the Lanya Vanya Festival, and we actually recorded a little interview clip uh, that was really fun and funny and unhinged, and yeah, so I got to see that band a lot. Hot Snakes, um, I got to see uh, a number of times after that first time in 2004, before they broke up. I saw them, uh, they reunited in, I, I want to say it was, I, well, actually, I found out by digging through my archives, it was actually 2011, as I mentioned. Um, Rick and I connected for a talk about that that show they were going to play in England, and then they played a few other shows. But uh, they finally swung through on and did some more extensive touring, um, reunion touring, I suppose, in 2012. So I ended up, I saw they were playing Sled Island in Calgary, and that was all I needed to convince my job at the time to let me go and cover that amazing year of that festival so I got to see Hot Snakes there then I found out they were playing Pop Montreal in uh, September 
of that same year. And then the next night they were playing in Toronto. So guess who took the train to Montreal just to see Hot Snakes? And then I also got to see the Dirty Three, which changed my life as well. Then uh, I took the train back and saw them in Toronto. I, I think it was the next night or the night after. I don't remember. Hot as hell, that show in Montreal. They could barely get through it. It was too hot. It was grossly hot. And we were all wiped out and exhausted by that. But then the Toronto show was also intense at the Horseshoe. I remember being right up front and thinking I was going to die because of the crush of people who were losing their minds that Hot Snakes were playing at the Horseshoe. And then in 2018, um, saw Hot Snakes again in Detroit, made a trip down to Detroit, a long drive by myself, but ran into some friends uh, in Detroit to see them play. And then again, saw them in Toronto uh, some months after that, the same, it was in June, I think, the show in Toronto. It was the day our uh, the, the terrible Ontario premier, Doug Ford, was elected for the first time. So kind of a bummer of an evening, except the hot snakes were great. Um, so, yeah. I got to see Rick play a lot. I actually got to see Drive Like Jehu play eventually when they reunited. I saw them in Toronto in, uh, I think it was 2015. They played as part of a Riot Fest thing there and absolutely incredible. Uh, I th- I can't recall if it was before or after their show that I released that documentary I was telling you about. Uh, that documentary means so much to me. And again, Rick helped me make it by connecting me with all the band members. And fortunately or unfortunately, they heard each other talk about each other in ways that maybe they wouldn't talk to each other directly. And that's that can be the um, double-edged sword of being someone like me. Because <laughs> you want to tell those stories and get those stories out of people, but you don't want people to be upset with each other, you know? Uh, and I don't want to get into all that, but I, I know that um, that documentary was revealing for lots of people, including people in the band. And uh, for better or for worse, I... I I love it. I, I'm very proud of it. And I noticed that uh, a couple of people were sharing it around again after uh, the news came out yesterday, um, which is nice. Uh, but uh, I wish I wish it didn't have to be shared, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I got to know Rick quite a bit from doing all that stuff, going to see them. We would hang out. Um, before shows and after shows and, and all that sort of stuff and stay in touch. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I first interviewed Rick in 2005 for that show I had with my wife called the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show. And after that, I interviewed him many other times about his music, about his artwork, about whatever he was up to, all the bands he was in, all the bands he used to be in. And uh, over the years, we started to exchange the odd text or message on Instagram, direct message, and uh, just talking about whatever. And uh, he uh, was very amused that I was moving with my family to Edmonton from from Guelph, Ontario. Uh, anytime I would uh, put on Instagram about how cold it was, who's the first person really to like it? Rick Froberg. <laughs> kind of little jabs at me for being up in the cold being so far away and uh, that meant a lot to me like, um, if you don't know who Rick Froberg was uh, I, I'm, getting, I'm trying to paint you a picture and you'll learn more about him during these 
interviews that uh, I've got lined up for the rest of this uh, memorial. But um, for what it's worth, Rick's voice was the best rock and roll voice I've ever heard in my life. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just unearthly or whatever the word is, just like the most impassioned howl I've ever heard. And and part of his voice was his songwriting, his lyricism and his musicianship and his instincts as a musician. Um, just able to convey so much pain and rage and emotion. And I've just never heard anything like it. I, I haven't heard anyone do it since. Um, I feel like the last time we talked about Hot Snakes for the Jericho Sirens album, he invoked ACDC at one point when we were talking about something. And yeah, I think a Bon Scott is having that same, where in the hell did this voice come from? And I think Rick had the same thing. Um, but it was cooler <laughs> and more artful and more enigmatic and somehow more direct. It was, it was the best. It's just the best. And, uh, very just inspiring for me and my friends. And then when we all got, we all kind of got to know him a bit. We, we just, you know, to like drive like Jehu was to like something at the time we did anyway. It was like to not really know it. We didn't get to see the band when they were going, uh, initially. Uh, and, uh, they were enigmatic and even hot snakes was kind of puzzling and like baffling. And it was just very mysterious in his own way. It, um, it comes up on one of these, uh, episodes or, or one of these interview segments where Rick would often have different names on his credit sheet in an album, Rick Froberg, Rick Farr, Rick Fork. Um, who was this guy? And, you know, part of why I wanted to make that, Drive Like Jehu thing was because I didn't know the story of this thing I love so much. I just didn't know the band, really. They didn't do much talking. By the time uh, people were super interested in them, they were kind of done. And um, and I think no, getting to know them all, they're all pretty low-key. Like, not a big deal, man. That's kind of the attitude. Like, the rest of us are, like, frothing at the mouth and fawning about how fucking unreal they are. And they're like, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's not a huge deal, you know, uh, very modest in their own way, but geniuses and, and Rick really exemplified that. Um, so yeah, a huge inspiration and influence on me. Uh, I've bought pieces of his artwork. I'm just going to find it. I, I posted about this. I'm holding in my hand a note, uh, a handwritten note that Rick wrote me on um, Peanuts stationary. There's a little shot of Snoopy and Linus at the bottom. I bought some of Rick's art in the, in the last few years. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's, and I, I've hung one up. I was, I literally on Thursday night, one of his pieces that I haven't yet gotten framed was in the living room and I moved it over to the, my office beside a portrait of Dallas Good of the Sadies that Don Pyle shot and I bought from Don Pyle. Both things have to be framed and I moved Rick's art and I leaned it against Dallas's art on Thursday night and I just said I was going to take it to myself. I said I'm going to take it to the framing place and I'm going to get it get them both framed. 
and uh, Dallas passed away, and I'm still hurting from that. And then Rick dies, and it's it's really fucked up. I'm gonna read you the note. All it says is, "Hey Vish, thanks for helping out the starving artiste. Hope all's good up there in Ed. Will I see you again? We'll see. We'll see." XO Rick. He thought he'd never see me again because I moved here and uh, now I'll never see him again. Um, I just want to send all my love and, and support to everyone who's uh, hurting from this. Rick was so... I, my, 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 I just want to be clear about something because this comes up sometimes with me and these types of shows that I end up having to do, these these recollections, these memorials, there's always a part of it where I'm baffled that I was able to connect uh, with some of my heroes and some of the people I most admire. And I realized that one of the reasons um, it shouldn't be that baffling is because they're just genuinely nice. I'm not the only one like this. There are people all over the world just like me who've had the same kind of dynamic with Rick, maybe started out as work friends, uh, you know, or having this professional connection. And then if if he liked you or whatever, it became a stronger thing. And I and I would like to think we had that. Uh, but I never know, you know. But I know there's lots of me, people like me rather, out there tonight and today and will be for the rest of our lives hurting. He was really warm and sweet and gruff and funny. So fucking funny guy. And just a lovely spirit. And... uh all I, all that's really got me through. It's been hitting me in bits, fits and starts, how, how hard this is. But uh, for me personally, it has been being able to go through uh, this archive of stuff and uh, listen to us talking and me laughing at us laughing together sometimes, or laughing at laughing at him being so difficult sometimes, or. Well, not difficult. I I think, sorry, that's wrong. I think he, <laughs> I'm, you know, one of the weird things about an exercise like this one for me is I have to go through like, oh, shit, I wasn't very good. Am I even good now? I can't tell. Because part of me is like, man, I'm so much better than I was in 2005. But then the other part of me is like, maybe you're not. Maybe you're the same awkward questioning guy. I don't know. I guess I got to read my reviews on iTunes or whatever. I am going to talk about some of these clips now. I haven't yet, as I'm speaking to you, decided if I'm going to talk in between them or not. Um, but I am going to start off by by framing the fact that I'm going to present these to you in uh, chronological order. So once again, obviously this episode will not feature anything from the the, the documentary I made, Do You Compute? The Story of Drive Like Jehu. I will link to it in the podcast description if you want to hear it, if you haven't heard it before. It will also, obviously, maybe not obviously, it won't include anything from Rick's last proper appearance on this show, uh, which again was in 2018 to talk about the Hot Snakes record, uh, Jericho, sorry, Jericho Sirens. I almost said drive like Jericho. That's how fucked up I am. Um, I'm sorry. So it won't include any of that stuff because those were times Rick was formally... Uh, on the show, uh, and they're out there. What I've gathered here is stuff uh, that is is from my audio archives and hasn't been part of the show, but is all going to be here in chronological order. 
So like I say, I haven't yet figured out if um, I'm going to talk in between these or not. Um, maybe I will. Maybe I will do that so that you're not lost as these things come up. Going to go into this episode of the Mish Fish Interracial Morning Show, episode 20, uh, airing on August 31st, 2005. Rick's appearance was precipitated by the fact that there was an announcement that Hot Snakes would be uh, breaking up. And uh, I imagine 2005, I mostly would have heard about this via this, the Swami Records message board or something like that. And I'm struggling to remember how I got Rick's email address even to ask him to be on the show. I don't have any recollection of that. Maybe it was the Swami website or the Hot Snakes website. It could have been one of those things, and he responded. You know what? I'm going to say it was that. I feel like they had a really fun website. It was all like it would strobe lights or something, as I recall, and there was probably a contact there, and I probably blindly wrote to it, and uh, that's what we got. So um, the audio quality is poor. This was the first year of the show. The show started, this college radio show started in April of 2005, and one of the, my I had always resisted doing a radio show because I thought it just felt pointless, like just playing music, uh, you know, like driving around with your car windows rolled down and blasting your speakers. Who am I to show off about the music I like? I needed there to be a point to it. So my wife and I worked on a show. Sorry, my now wife and I came up with uh, some concepts. And among the things is we were going to do community-oriented listings and play music that related to what was going on in in the city of Guelph and surrounding areas. And we were also going to try to play some new releases and Canadian music. And and we'd feature some interviews. Now, up until this point, I was a few years, I want to say I was two years, three years? I was two or three years into uh, doing print interviews, interviews for print pieces and magazines. I had a couple of freelance uh, gigs, regular freelance gigs, and I would interview people and I would record them initially on a tape recorder and eventually on a mini disc player that I bought. And um, what I learned in starting to do the show, well, first of all, I was just going to repurpose those those print record the interviews for the print pieces into radio things, but I didn't know how to edit anything. In the early days, I feel like we would just plug in the mini disc player or the tape player to the board of the radio station, and I wouldn't. They'd just be sort of the raw audio. And um, it was a couple of years until I learned how to actually use the editing software and and how you can you know upload the mini disc stuff to a computer and all that stuff. But this isn't at this point. So in two thousand five, the show has just started, and. Uh, yeah, that's so I, I used a mini disc player and it was a phone. I did it at home probably, and it's a phone tap thing. And it was either the mini disc player or probably the adapter has a noise floor thing, where if someone is like Rick who takes a lot of pauses between thoughts when he goes into a pause mode, uh, either thing is creating a noise. Someone smarter than me can probably just shaking their head. I don't know exactly how it works, but when when Rick gets quiet, 
the noise floor ran, rises and there's like a hissing sound and it's a it's it's a little much i did my best to clean this up uh, i presented here because i think it was interesting and, and it's it's the first time rick and i spoke i know i don't promise that this is the best audio you'll ever hear is it intelligible yeah 85 percent of it is sometimes it the technology doesn't um, allow for it. Um, so yeah, Rick and I are pretending we're live on the radio. And so I didn't include any, I'm not going to include any songs uh, that the radio throws here uh, suggest are coming. I'm just going to leave it clean and just you'll just hear me and Rick talking. I know it would be nice to hear the songs, but uh, I just thought I won't, I, found, I managed to find most of the uh, original raw recordings and I don't want to insert the music. So, uh, sorry, but for those of you who know Hot Snakes or Drive Like Jehu or whatever, or Pitchfork, whatever we discuss, imagine the song or play it for yourself on your record player or whatever you have and enjoy it <laughs> the way it's meant to be heard, not as some shitty compressed MP3 or whatever the hell uh, would have, uh, however it would have been captured or presented at the time. Um, so we're pretending we're live on the air and listening to songs. We have a little bit of fun with that. It's all a pre-record, so uh, you'll hear that. Um, I noticed that I I can't tell if I'm doing like a Norm Macdonald effect where I articleize words for fun. So I repeatedly say the hot snakes, not hot snakes, the hot snakes. The way like Norm would be like, "Are you enjoying the spaghetti?" The you know, I don't. That's the wrong example, but anyway, that's a thing I will mention. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm. Gonna, that's all I'm gonna say about this. Uh, I think I've talked for a long time already, and I want to play these these things. So here it is. This is uh, th- uh, yeah, Rick Froberg talking about ostensibly about the end of Hot Snakes and some other stuff. Uh, and again, we aired this on the radio at CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph on August 31st, 2005. Sorry again about the sound quality. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. My name is Vish, and uh, I'm very thrilled to tell you about our guest this week. Um, he's played uh, guitar and sang in such great San Diego bass bands as Pitchfork, Drive Like Jehu, and The Hot Snakes. He is one of punk music's most interesting lyricists and singular vocalists, I'd like to say, and he's also an acclaimed uh, visual artist whose work was recently exhibited as part of the 2005 Bassfield Exhibition in Melbourne, Australia. He's also designed album covers, websites, and t-shirts for most of the bands he's been in, plus, uh, plus good friends like Rocket from the Crypt and Swami Records. Uh, his amazing band, Hot Snakes, called it a day this month, which uh, which made me want to call him up and find out why. So, uh, without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from, uh, I believe, Brooklyn, New York, please say hello to Rick Froberg. Hi, Rick. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Fine. That was a funny intro. Uh, was it was it too much? Uh, no, it was fine. It's uh... yeah, I guess it's all true. And most of that's accurate, I think. I aim for accuracy wherever possible. Yeah, it, it is accurate. Okay, good. More or less. Good. It's, 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 it's still funny, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird to hear someone's uh, life uh, or recent work, I guess, 
distilled down to one little paragraph. But uh, I, I try to, I'm trying to enlighten people that may not know who you are. Okay. Yeah. So uh, first off, I must ask about the end of the uh, Hot Snakes. The band is done. Is that is that is that true? Um, yes, it's true. Okay. And and why 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 is it done at this point? Um. Well, well, there are a few practical reasons. One is that um, they all live you know, thousands of miles away, mm-hmm. uh, and I live in the country. And I don't know why you know, So that was a practical consideration, and I think it's just sort of a, a people are kind of getting older and wanting to pursue careers and. Uh, or have to pursue careers and things like that in order to see themselves and their families right. uh and you know stuff like that oh, okay Definitely, uh, you know real hard feelings I think you know I think that we're you know okay with what we're doing we just uh, had to stop doing it the way it was arranged you know? right so it sounds like it was mostly a, a geographic consideration maybe uh, not not entirely, but it was it, it certainly had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fans stop. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just sort of you know felt like it was time to stop. So mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, by my count, this is at least the third band that you've been in with John Reese. Uh, yeah, fourth if you count the uh, hardcore band. I was in with them for about five minutes, but yeah. <laughs> well, what was that band called? Um, it was called Really Kitch. Oh, okay. And that was, uh, I think I actually have a good show with the band, so I don't think it's fun. Oh, well. That's true. Well, well, we'll include it. We'll include it for these purposes. That's fine. Uh, one of your earliest bands together was, uh, was Pitchfork, which, uh, I guess you guys started when you were pretty much kids. Is that right? Um, I think I was probably legally an adult when we started it, but, uh, we were, you know, I think kids wouldn't be. <laughs> wouldn't be wrong with kids. Okay. Um, I wonder what you can tell me about being in that band. Uh, I know it's a long time ago now, but uh, I just wonder about what, 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 what it was like being in that band and, and the sound you were going for uh, at that point in your life. Uh, just, I don't know. Just, just trying to do what kids do and I'm sure that we were probably trying to sound like our uh, favorite hardcore bands or DC bands or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, so what we did. Well, I was hoping we uh, we could play something by uh, by Pitchfork now, and uh, and I was hoping you. I know this is diff- what's that? As long as I have to listen to it, I don't. Well, well, I I think people would like to hear uh, something by the band, and and I know this is uh, this is uh, maybe a little awkward. I wondered if you might uh, if you might care to actually pick a song. Uh, um. Well, I think that. Uh, I'm going to play a Pitchfork song. About, <laughs> can't remember what some of our songs were. Um, yeah, you know what? You're going to do that one. All right. Well, uh, we could do something from from either of the Eucalyptus. Uh, LP. I would do from the definitely from the record and not from the seven inch. Okay. Well, let's see here. How about? Uh, oh, geez, they're also. I don't know. I was thinking maybe we could even do Burn Pigs Burn, maybe. Sure. Is that is that is that fair? That's, That's a good default pitchfork song, I suppose. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll go with that. All right. Here's uh, here's uh, "Burn Pigs Burn" by Pitchfork on the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show. We'll be back with more uh, with uh, Rick Roberg. And we're back. 
that, quick. That was uh, pretty quick. Uh, it's, a, it's a short song in some ways. Uh, that was Pitchfork with uh, Burn Pigs Burn from their Eucalyptus LP. We're here today chatting with Rick Froberg, who some of you might know uh, from the Hot Snakes and Drive Like Jehu. And uh, that was an, another band he was in with uh, with John Reese. Uh, I wanted to ask about uh, that period again a little bit. I mean, well, I guess after Pitchfork, uh, I know John got Rocket from the Crypt going uh, roughly around that time, and and then the two of you started to work on Drive Like Jehu. Is that correct? Um, around 1990, I suppose. 1990. Now, uh, when I first heard, like Drive Like Jehu was just such a breath of fresh air when I first heard it, which was which was actually probably close to the time the band had ceased to be. I remember being in high school somewhere around 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And um, I know the band meant a lot to people while it was around, and that adoration seems to have grown over the last 10 years. Uh, did, you, did you feel like the band was onto something uh, unique while you were in it? Sure, I suppose. I mean... I don't know how worried about uniqueness we were, but mm-hmm. um, we probably were. I'm not sure. But, uh, I'm not really. I don't really know the extent of the band's popularity or anything like that. But um, yeah, we thought we were a good band. Well, it seems to have earned. Um, you know, I, I hear the name. The, the band's name pops up uh, in, in sort of different retrospective uh, avenues. Uh, people talk about you know whatever. Best hard post hardcore bands of the '90s and things like that. Um, well, what do you think of the respect it's earned in retrospect? I suppose I don't really know much about that. I know that uh, the only you know my, the extent of my knowledge, well, of, of any sort of I don't know of, of any of, of any influence. It's basically just people yelling songs out and you know uh, while we're while hot snakes are playing. Right. <laughs> Right. And that's that's pretty much all I I've really heard about it. Um, I haven't heard anything elsewhere. You know, I don't see I don't see the name dropped in magazines when I you know look look, look at magazines or like that. I mm-hmm. just don't. That's the only place I would really see it. I would imagine. So you know, and as far as bands that sound like Drive Like Jehu, you know, there's a probably you know there's a lot of bands that sounded like Drive Like Jehu. I mean, wasn't wasn't uh, it was that whole like you know long winded guitar song thing was wasn't wasn't. Good. That unique. I think there are other bands doing that at the time. Hmm. So I, I, I really don't know how influential we were or you know, if we were, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously it's, it's difficult to be objective about that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, if, if you can trust me, uh, the band meant a lot to a lot of people. Well, I know I can trust you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what, what about people yelling out songs? Do, do, uh, do you ever indulge uh, indulge it? Is it is it ever awkward for uh, the rest of the band played rather like Jehu songs, or does it ever we come played, up? We played a couple just because people wanted to hear them, and, and we 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 played, uh, and you know they were fun to play, and you know no one else was going to play them, so we right. just decided we we play a few. We played you know we played we played a a couple that were really just not anything like what Hot Snakes were doing, just because uh, <clears> we just wanted to do something different and have a, a sort of looser element, just adding something to our set that was was uh, looser, something that we could. Uh, mess around with a bit more. Right. Now, the band never officially ended, right? I mean, it just sort of stopped, if that, if that can be said. I remember reading that somewhere where it just sort of stopped. Well, that's ending. It is ending, yeah. No, I know. But it, the, I just wonder, in this age of uh, talk of, you know, reunions and things like that, has that ever been brought up between the, the four members? Of Dravet Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure it was brought up quite a while ago, but uh, I think that, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of not, I, I don't think it's come up for quite a while. Right, okay. Well, I was hoping to uh, to play something off of one of the two uh, Drive Like Jehu albums now for people to hear. Um, and uh, again, again, I hate to put you in this uh, spot here, Rick, but uh, do, do you care to pick a song here? Um... I know this is awkward. I, you know, I ask people this every once in a while, and they. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that to you. Jeez, Louise. It's a DJ's job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. I, but I, I kind of. The only reason I ask is. I, I don't want to hear any of them. <laughs> really? Is That's that... the problem. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if people like us to listen to their own bands, but I really don't. Right. Um, I, I like listening to them like just after we recorded something or. Otherwise, I wouldn't get up and put on a track. <laughs> right, right. No, no. I understand. I can totally uh, appreciate that. I guess. Uh, I guess the the reason I ask is because I, I hope it'll give some insight as to what. Like, if you had to show, you know, like imagine this was like. Nah, just forget it. It's fine. I'll just pick a song. <laughs> I was trying to think of a scenario where you'd have to like, hey, want to hear a Drive Like Jehu song that I'm particularly proud of? Why not this one? That's what I was trying to get at. But before it's being executed or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what I do in that situation. I, you know, hmm. I'll play when I get there. All right. Well, um, let's see here. How about uh, how about Step on Chameleon? Anything you want. Ah, you're so nice. I appreciate that. All right. Here's Step on Chameleon by Drive Like Jehu on the Mishwish Interracial Morning Show. We'll be back with more with uh, Rick Froberg in, in just a second. Dan, we're back. Oh, all right. Well, geez, what'd you think there? Step on Chameleon. That was that's great. I hadn't heard that in a long time. Yeah, well, it's nice to to go back down memory lane for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome back, uh, folks, to the Niche uh, Beach Interracial Morning Show. Again, that was Drive Like Jehu with uh, Step on Chameleon from uh, I guess their it's their self-titled album. Is that uh, you ever think about that? Is that was uh, that? I think it's uh, Economist? Is that is that the I think so. Yes, I think it's eponymous. That's the term that the people use. Yes, yes, it's the their eponymous album, debut album. Is that debut eponymous album? It, it, gets, uh, it is. A, yeah, it is the debut album. It gets complicated. Um, right. So uh, <laughs> well, we're back, as I say. That was Drive Like Jehu, and uh, again, my name's Vish. We've been chatting with uh, Rick Froberg of Hot Snakes. Um, and uh, we've just been going, as I say, down memory lane a little bit. And uh, Rick, I guess dating back to uh, dating back to Pitchfork and Drive Like Jehu, and then right up to the Hot Snakes. I, I personally really enjoyed the songs you've written. I, I think they're often pretty intense musically, and, and I appreciate that they can be both uh, very cryptic and very direct. Um, I wonder, do you, what do you suppose has inspired your songwriting? Um, my songwriting different things at different times I'm sure mm-hmm. um, usually other better bands <laughs> you, you're trying to ape things that you like about music that you like mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much off the board to be true yeah and you know uh, random things that just sort of uh, make it different or just sort of things you have no control over and are unique to yourself and that's what makes something um, different than other things is there a, I know this is and I'm sure it runs the, the, the gamut, but are there, are there particular influences you, you'd care to cite that people might either be surprised by or be like, yeah, I think that makes sense? Well, if you're talking about Drive Like Jehu, I think I'd, I'd, I should be uh, 
band to be always exciting are, are the Wipers, and I think for that band, especially Honor Roll, mm-hmm. who are a band from Richmond, Virginia in the 80s, who we really liked. And um, a big guitar player, Penn uh, Rawlings, great singer, Robert Schick. And just a good, good band in general, and we liked them a lot, and mm-hmm. probably aped them quite a bit. I'm sure we aped Fugazi. Um, and, uh, we were big fans of. We we were you know we were, we were really into the band. Yeah. But, uh, so there was probably a lot of that in there. We did, we I think we pretty consciously didn't want to sound like them, but uh, also we were pretty consciously influenced by them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think well, uh, hundreds of thousands of yeah. people were were certainly influenced by them. Right. And you know, you know, all the stuff that just sort of stepped in from. Listening to punk rock, you know, you have your Sonic Youth, your, you know, your issues, and your, whatever, all that stuff. Is mm-hmm. Well, you know. And in terms of the Hot Stink sound, uh, it's a bit more streamlined, it's a bit more succinct, I guess, uh, in terms, uh, at least uh, relative to the last band. Uh, well, it's a lot more succinct, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what brought that on in terms of, uh, I guess, a newer approach? Well, for me... I never really liked 10 minute long songs as much. Being the singer, it's not, it, it really was never oriented to me mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a result, I, I never learned, you know, how to sing correctly or sing like, you know, like, like a singer sing. It's just like, like the song's going, eh, 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 over and over again. Um, so, you know, I, I was glad that, I was glad that we had short, shorter songs with, you know, clear choruses and verses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to sing. We, we definitely didn't want it to be anything like Drive Like Jane, so, yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, with uh, certainly with you and John in it, it, it still obviously contains, uh, I guess, elements, uh, personal stamps of... People, so, you know, whatever the same sort of prejudices and stuff that they had in the, that band, they probably brought them with them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's a great band, and uh, and uh, I, I, I will miss it, but uh, uh, I'm going to ask you about about the future in a moment. Okay. Before that, I, I I did want to ask you about something that has always interested me, and, and it's it's that I I feel like you you seem to you seem content to to be kind of ambiguous about the bands you're in. Um, they're often pseudonyms and and very plain messages and liner notes and websites and things like that. Um, why why do you suppose you've approached communi- communicating? Ambiguity. That's that's uh, that's brevity and clarity. Is I don't know. It's it's more brevity and clarity. Well, it's just I mean you know just trying to. Cut the cut the chase, you know. Right. Well, in terms of clarity, there's uh, again the pseudonym thing. I, I must come back to that. The the fake names, the uh, the, the nicknames. Um, the nicknames Fork. The, the, that nickname is just you know obviously I got that nickname when I was a pitchfork. Yes. Uh, Froberg um, is the name I was given on my birth certificate, and that is actually the name I was born with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Far is the name that uh, my family had it changed to when I was, I don't know, I don't really know how old, uh, mm-hmm. it was because it's my dad's business name, and he just decided to change the entire family's name to that, much to my chagrin. So there's actually, okay, I, there's not some sort of... No. You've outlined quite clearly the connections between all the names. Yeah, that's it. There is no ambiguity. There is no ambiguity there. No. Well, there goes my question. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. I just, uh, even within the website, though, I, I often feel like, yes, it is very... Very to the point, but also within that, uh, it's it's kind of left up in the air. You're not you're not spelling out all the things for people to uh, to figure out. It seems like it's they're left to their own devices every once in a while. Which, but, you, which you are anyway, so you might as well just you know, 
everyone to their own devices and save your breath. <laughs> right, right. No, I, well, I appreciate that. Well, finally, uh, now that the uh, the hot snakes are, I believe, done, is there any un- unfinished hot snakes business? Because I heard something about a DVD that might come out. Um, there might be, yeah. Um, there's, it was filmed, and... Um, the last few shows. Exists, I'm not sure what uh, what John's plans for that. That's that's all Swami, and John is the... Uh, Proprietor, and he'll decide whether or not that's going to come out. So, what, sorry, what, just to explain to people, what, what was it exactly? It was it was the last couple of shows. Last, last the San Diego, the last, our last San Diego and Los Angeles show were were videotaped slash filmed, and um, and that was this month, and, and then this in August was it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, okay. So they were filmed uh, for the possibility of a release uh, at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the whole thing was originally supposed to happen. Uh, in London, but we ended that ended up not working out for uh, whatever reason, and we uh, ended up doing it uh, with just with some friends in Los Angeles and San Diego. So yeah, hopefully it'll uh, they'll put it out. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not sure if they're putting it out or not. But, uh, <laughs> I think they went to all that trouble, so I I, I would imagine that's probably going to come out right. in some form. Okay. Well, okay. Assuming then after that that the the stakes are are through, as you say. Um, uh, I'm wondering, can people expect uh, a new band or musical project from you or, or from you and John at some point? Probably not myself and John, just because, um, you know, we, we would be back on the same problem, the distance thing. Right. Um, as far as other bands, I'm sure that there will, there will be other bands. How how beyond a local level they'll get, um, how far they'll get, really depends on a lot of things. I mean, it's just never know. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, I'm, everyone's going to play music stuff. So. Uh, are you, and you're, no, so sorry, you are in Brooklyn, in New York, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And uh, what brought you to Brooklyn? Um, originally, I had a girlfriend who, who lived out here, and I moved out to live with her, and uh, I ended up kind of staying here uh, long after the relationship had worked uh, out the, the demise of the whole thing, so. I see. I didn't mean to pry. I, I thought I thought it might have something to do with, actually, with your artwork. It had nothing to do with my artwork. <clears throat> I see. Just at this point, because I can't leave, because what I do for a living is artwork, and I really can't do it myself and make any money. Right. It, uh, I, I had a sense of that. So, well, I didn't. Not that you couldn't make money. Obviously, how would I know that? Yeah. Well, I still like uh, I still like uh, New York. I still like Brooklyn. So I don't mind. I don't mind living here. I wish I could uh, live better here, but that's that's, a, that's the way it goes. It's, a, it's an expensive place to live. Uh, I know that much. Uh, from my yeah, yeah. There. but uh, place is getting expensive, so it's probably not different than anybody else. Right, point. right. But uh, you, do you feel a part of any sort of? Are you, are you making uh, friends within a musical community there, or? I have some friends here, and they, uh, most of my friends are, have, are involved in music in one way or another. But I don't feel like uh, we're part of any kind of scene. Like no, no, no. But I, I just wonder if there was some sense of collaboration uh, forthcoming, or. Any talk of that uh, on your end of things, anyway? There's uh, a few things potentially, but um, they're they're so uh, so early on in the whole thing that I don't uh, yeah, I don't even know. We'll just have to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us today, Rick. Oh, no problem. Thank I, you for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I know it's, uh, we were sort of exchanging emails there for a while. It's, it's great to have you. And uh, and uh, I'd like to close out the show with uh, some music by the Hot Snakes, which I 
I mean, I assume that that's a band you'd want people to hear. And, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Again, I, I appreciate your uh, your modesty within this, and I, I realize it can be awkward, but uh, just given that I, it is a bit of a profile on, on you and the band, uh, I wonder... Again, Rick. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, uh, what do you suppose we could play for people right now by uh, by the Hot Snakes? Uh, I don't know. Play something off the uh, the most recent record. Out in Progress has been uh, featured uh, here and there on our show. Uh, we're, we're still a young show, but uh, I've fitted in a few places. I'm, I'm wondering what we should play. Uh, why don't we play? Why don't we play this Mystic Decade? Okay. <laughs> Good. I appreciate that. I appreciate you 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 uh you dealing with this uh I know again I, I it can be a little awkward. <laughs> I'm trying to make uh you know it's a morning show and I'm trying to make it as much like a like a morning show. We, it's a community radio show so they don't have like you know wacky Dave and Mitch. Right. But and and I don't I don't uh, you know aspire to be like wacky Dave or Right. Or Mitch, but uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to... Dave or Mitch. I, I don't know. They always have names like Dave or Mitch, and they're always wacky or crazy. So, um, anyway, I thought I would, uh, you know, cater to the people and just, uh, here we go. We're going to play some songs, and in this particular instance, we're going to play a song by uh, the Hot Snakes. It's called This Mystic Decade. And, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Here it is on the Mishvish Interracial Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay. There you go. That was Rick. That's the first time Rick and I ever did an interview. Rick Froberg and I ever did an interview. Uh, August 31st, 2005. I hope you were able to understand what we were saying. I know it was a bit tough and rough. Okay, we're going to get to a, a, a cleaner, better sounding bit of audio here. Uh, this is from the Mishvi Shinto Racial Morning Show, episode 196. And it originally aired on April 15th, 2009. Uh, this is uh, Rick and I discussing the emergence of his uh, post-Hot Snakes band, a wonderful band called Obits. Uh, they were just about to release their debut album, I Blame You, on Sub Pop Records. And again, there's no music here. Pick up those Obits records if you can. Uh, we're gonna, You're going to hear us throw to them, but they're not here. Anyway, here's Rick and I talking about Obits. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mish Vish Interracial Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. My name's Vish, and it's time once again for our weekly artist profile. 
This week's guest is a genuine hero of mine who's currently based in Brooklyn, New York. He's played guitar and sang in such amazing bands as Pitchfork, Drive Like Jehu, and Hot Snakes, among others. And he's also a very talented visual artist whose work has graced art galleries and rock and roll album covers alike. After something of a hiatus playing music publicly following the last shows by Hot Snakes, he's returned with a new band called Obits, whose new album, I Blame You, is an honest, no-frills punk rock record with excellent guitar interplay, interesting rhythms, uncommonly vivid lyricism, and impassioned singing. I'm so happy to have uh, one of our first guests ever back on the show today to discuss this new band. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in saying good morning to Rick Froberg. Uh, Good morning, Rick. Nice to have you here. Hello. Nice to be here. Uh, Like many fans of your work, I was uh, very excited to hear that you had a new band, Rick. Uh, The last time we spoke, I guess it was like 2005, Hot Snakes had just called it a day, and you seemed quite uncertain about when you might play music again. Can you tell us more about Obits and how this band came to be? Well, uh, at the end of at the, the, the demise of the Hot Snakes, I think it was, uh, I guess, 2005, I guess. That's probably right. Um, we can do the fact-checking, uh, <laughs> extensive fact-checking. I'm sure, I'm, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> check the facts. I don't know them, but, uh, um, at the end of 2005, um, we stopped playing, Hot Snakes stopped playing, and um, I had asked asked uh, my <laughs> my uh, my good friend So Rob, who uh, lives in the neighborhood here, and I've been friends with since I've lived here, if he would like to play music. He was in a band called Edsel before from Washington D.C. He's been in uh, several bands there, and uh, he's lived here for a while. And um, we talked about playing some music together, and um, so we decided to do so, and we. Uh, uh, found a few friends to play music with, and um, Scott Gursky, the drummer, it w- uh, was one of those people. He's still playing in the band, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other people um, who are no longer playing with the band, but uh, their contributions were important, but they uh, couldn't do it for one reason or another, and uh, we uh, got our fourth member, Greg Simpson, who is uh, a local guy from the neighborhood, that so Rob just knew from around the neighborhood, who turned out to be the sort of perfect... Uh, bass player and fourth member for the band, and uh, and once that happened, the band uh, moved along really quickly. And uh, before that, it, it had taken a while. It took, I think, it took you know two years, something like that, for us to whatever get our, our crappy sound down. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's the point we're at now. And uh, we we played it. We, we played it. The show, or, or really one show, and um, and people uh, seemed interested. So uh, we. People bootlegged the show. People bootlegged the show, um, which I, I'm, I'm not sure if... I, I think that's probably a, a common thing now. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, people heard the bootleg, and, uh, and there was a, some, a, a small demand, so we uh, we started playing, and um, and we're putting out a record, and et cetera. Right. Okay. And so, wow, I'm surprised that this happened pretty much... It sounds like you, you started thinking about this almost right after the Hot Snakes were done. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to play music still. Um, I, I I really like to play music, and mm-hmm. um, and I had friends who weren't doing anything, or who were, you know, located conveniently, and we uh, we uh, got together and did it. Sounds simple enough. Uh, what other kinds of things have been occupying your time since the Hot Snakes broke up? I mentioned in the intro that you do other things. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I have I have to work. Um, uh, music has never really paid my rent. Occasionally, you know, we come back from. A tour or something like that, and have some money. But uh, I, I work, and most of what I do is uh, illustration or uh, some sort of visual artwork. I do some animation stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you know, it's not 
real exciting. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe. It's, uh, it, 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 uh, it helps pay the rent, and it actually does pay the rent. So right. that's, that's what I've been doing. And uh, nothing else really uh, of any real interest, I suppose. Okay, no, that's fine. I just, uh, you're, you're a modest fellow, I know that, but uh, I know your artwork is, uh, I, I enjoy your artwork. Every time I see it, I'm like, hey, that's a Froberg. That's, that's, I like that. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's other people who enjoy it, too. Uh, I've really been enjoying this new Obits record, I Blame You, and, and, and I, I notice how streamlined its songs are. They're kind of, uh, they're primitive and punk, but they're also rather vibrant and inventive in their own way. Based on your experiences in other bands, was there any particular, like, I don't want to say mandate, but was there any songwriting approach you wanted to either explore or even avoid with Obits? Well, we wanted to, um, we wanted to concentrate more on, uh, songwriting itself, as opposed to, uh, you know, with with when I started playing music, the first music I heard that I that made me want to play music was was you know sort of post punk music like Sonic Youth or something like that. The first time I heard the song "Brother James" by Sonic Youth, it was like, oh wow, this is really great. It really this really speaks to me, and I could I could conceivably do this. I had a guitar, and um, uh, it seemed much more possible to play music like that. And so, in some ways. Uh, I don't want to say that it's, this is a you know like a gr- regressive thing, but we 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 try we're trying to uh, um, not just base it around guitar textures and riffs and stuff like that. We're trying to actually write some songs, and 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 that's something that uh, is, is a new challenge. And <laughs> we, you know, I mean, we you, you know you've always, you always try to write songs, but but, but uh, we're you know I don't know. It's it's hard to say. We're, we're trying to do uh, we're trying to make more. Palatable songs. I'm not sure. You're concentrating on the craft of songwriting, is basically. Yeah, what you're we're saying. trying to. Uh, we're trying to. Yeah, we're trying to put together interesting songs, or or not interesting songs, but good songs. Like interesting is a bad way to describe music, but. <laughs> uh, well, is there? There does seem to be a mixture of uh, different uh, styles here. I, I hear every once in a while, a particular emphasis on on the blues. Uh, do you think that's fair? Is that a fair assessment? Sure, I think that uh, that. Um, you know, I think it's it's very rock and roll, and and I think rock and roll is 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 uh, rooted in the blues. Certainly, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. if it's not rooted in the blues, you have you know you you have it's 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 obvious. And um, I think we're not we're not we're not you know we're not we're not trying to do like Eric Clapton kind of stuff or anything like that. We're, we are no no no. It, I... <laughs> it is, it's rooted in more rock traditional rock and roll. I mean, like it's it's uh, the things we like are. Uh, um, and the things I've always liked, honestly, um, are rooted in that more. So um, it, it's more, it's more, it, it ref, the, the, the band reflects the tastes of the individual members more, or I have more in common with them in some ways than I did with other with other bands I was in just because uh, it, it sort of caters to my prejudices. Right. Prejudices. Okay. I thought I, you know, I, I, thought, I thought I actually caught a Dylan reference. A Dylan reference. Uh, actually, there was Dylan references in the, in the, and Dread like Jehu records. And right. Like, I don't know if people caught them. Um, um, <laughs> well, you know, this what one's... Was it, what, was it, what was the reference? I, I heard uh, Don't the Sun Look Good going down on... Uh, oh, well, that's a cover. I mean, that's, that's yeah. song, that's, that song is, that song Milk Cow Blues. Milk Cow Blues. Cover. I guess that's true. I didn't even... Call, you know what? I have like an advance, so I didn't even get a track listing and stuff. So okay. I didn't even well, clue that, in. That's a, that's, that's a pretty punk, punked out post-rock version of a, of a, of a, of a, a, a song that's been been played by a million people. Ours is, mo- is is based more or less on the Kinks version or the, oh, okay. the 
the Nomads version or the Chocolate Watch Band version. It just it's sort of a you know it's like a, that song has been done by everybody from Aerosmith to Eddie Cochran. Sure, to, <laughs> you know just every, everyone's done that song. It's 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 a song that you can it's if you were just to research that particular song. It's it's there's there's a couple of different versions that are really that are distinctly different from each other, but. Uh, there's a million, ver- you know, Elvis has done it. A, 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 bunch, a bunch of people have done it. Right. Uh, you, you mentioned. Do it. You mentioned there are other Dylan references. I'm just curious about that. No. Uh, other, not, not in, not in, probably not in obits that I'm aware of. Um, okay. They could be subconsciously there somehow, but uh, or we might have included them that way. But um, I'm not sure. <laughs> There's probably references to other things, but um, they might be more stylistic than like lyrical. Okay. Or, You're. Are you a fan? Of Dylan, of course. Yeah. Okay, just wasn't sure. I, I didn't. I did not know that. I'm I'm a huge fan myself. Mm-hmm. I so. mean, I I'm not uh, an expert on Dylan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, my knowledge of Dylan tends to st- stops at like Nashville Skyline or something like that. Whereas oh. uh, um, some of the other members of the band um, know much more about Bob Dylan than I do. Okay, no, that's fine. This it's not a scholarly thing. I just when I was listening to the record, as I say, I was just having it on, and I heard that in the background. I didn't even clue in what song it was, and I'm like, oh. And it turns out you were referencing a song that Dylan was probably himself ripping off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know it's a, it's a I think it's Kokomo Arnold is the original. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, uh, everyone has run into that song at some point. Sure, sure, right. Well, right now I thought we could actually listen to a song from "I Blame You," and I was hoping you might uh, pick one for us to hear, Rick. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to pick a track listing here. Let's see. Um, I think I'll pick the song called S-U-D. Okay. I like that song a lot. Is there, what, is, what does S-U-D stand for? Um, or does it stand for anything? It, just, it stood for a few things. Um, we had a few, uh, a few different titles that went better with the lyrics, but uh, <laughs> the titles didn't really uh, sit as well, and it, it, we didn't like the titles as much, so we just decided to go with the little the, sort of uh, the acronym that we can change the meaning of as we see fit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's interchangeable then. Uh, sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that sounds good. We'll be back with more with Rick Froberg, but first here's S-U-D by Obits on the Mishvish Generational Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. You're listening to the Mishvish Generational Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. That was S-U-D from I Blame You, <laughs> an excellent new record by a great new band called Obits. To learn more about this record, please visit subpop.com. If you're just joining us, our special guest today is Rick Froberg, a lead singer and guitarist in Obits. Uh, thanks again for being here, Rick. Uh, my pleasure. Is it really your pleasure? I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you're not having fun... <laughs> no, I mean, what could be better than sitting around talking about your own band? Talking about your own stuff, yeah, I know, it's uh, it's hard. I appreciate your time. No, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, Rick, you've been a key part of some amazing bands already, and I, I know we just talked about how you don't want to really talk about that, but <laughs> in a sense, you do have kind of a legacy of great music uh, behind you. In Hot Snakes, uh, you and your longtime collaborator, John Reese, seemed at least conscious of that. You you'd occasionally play Drive Like Jehu songs live uh, with a completely different group of players around you. Does Obits feel like like more of a clean slate for you creatively? Well, um, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think that, uh, I think, I I don't think you would hear any uh, any songs from any of uh, my bands being played by Obits, um, mainly because I mean we, it, it is I mean John Reese was in Hot Snakes and 
wasn't read like Jehu and Pitchfork or whatever, so <clears throat> you, you'd be more likely to hear something like that then, since we were the primary writers of the songs. Of course, yeah. Um, so, uh, and this band, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do something completely new and, and uh, make it, uh, yeah, a new, get a new start and do something new, and, and that's sort of the point behind uh, I mean, I've been in a lot of bands, or several bands, and it's 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 generally, you know, the band breaks up and you do something new, and we, uh, it's not the the normal career tra- trajectory of a of a band where that, that they kind of stay together for a while and as long as they possibly can, and then uh, I don't know what happens, but I, <laughs> we, a lot of us, uh, John and I, I think, uh, are pretty into starting something new. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got his band, the Night Marchers, and he's had the bass band, the Salt. Oh, oh, sorry, and the, sorry. You know, respectively, I thought you meant yeah, if, to... if the band, if the band, if the band peters out or whatever, or, or gets old, then you start something else. Right, right. Sorry, when you said that, I, I thought you meant that you and John might start something new together. Uh, no, not. Uh, well, there's no plans to do so at the time. Right, right, right. It sounds like you're both busy. What do you think of the Night Marchers, by the way? They're great. We uh, we we played some shows with them, and uh, basically, the Night Marchers is. The hot snakes without me in it. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> um, and uh, Tom, uh, Tom Skitzos, who was in uh, CPC Gang Bangs, who were a Montreal band. Yeah, they're a great band. Yeah. Are, are they are they gone? Are they totally gone? I think they're gone. Yeah. Uh, I okay. Gone. I saw them. Uh, I saw. I guess I saw a few of their last U.S. shows here in Brooklyn, and uh, they were great. But uh, yeah, they were in in 2008. At the end of no wait, at the end of 2007, they were my band to watch in 2008 for one of the magazines I write for, and. Yeah, watch go down in flames. Yeah, th- th- <laughs> I think that's actually what I said. They would probably set the world afire and, and burn up, and I, I guess they did. That's uh, I, I was more right than I knew. I guess I, I yeah. feel dumb. <laughs> well, I mean that's great. I, I'm glad that you feel like uh, that it's completely a clean slate. I mean, it sounds like a, a, a good move for you, <laughs> just to kind of uh, do something new. I mean, do you are you getting uh, feedback from people uh, already about the difference between Obits and, and something like Hot Snakes, for example? Yeah, I think that's 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 inevitable. I mean, people, uh, um, it's good and bad. I mean, you have, if, you, if you've been in a bunch of bands before and people are familiar with them, then they naturally will compare your yeah your newest band to the last band you were in, and that's always happened. I mean, when, when Hot Snakes were around, it was compared to Dry Like Jehu, and when Dry Like Jehu was around, it was compared to Pitchfork and blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, uh, You're used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it just it just it, yeah the, the the process is kind of the same every time, and it, and that's and it's totally fine. It it's uh it helps the band. If people are familiar with the other band, and it uh, helps you. And it, it, you have to answer questions about the, the previous bands before, but uh, <laughs> that's not that's not a problem. All right, well, good. I'm glad you're you're accommodating to these uh, <laughs> these no, questions. No, I mean, it's fine. That's, that's yeah. Well, finally, Rick, I, I tend to think you as a rather prolific artist. You seem to write songs and produce work at uh, a relatively quick pace. Can you tell us about your plans for the next while, both in terms of obits and, and I suppose, other things? Um, well, obits, uh, it's kind of just getting started. We um, we have a record coming out, um, and so we're going to have to do all the things that that entails. Um, it's on a really good record label, and they're, they're, uh, it's, and it's more... A much more organized uh, endeavor than, than the ones I was in before, or, and, and I also have a lot more. It seems like there's more sort of responsibility delegated to me than there was before. So I, I, I'll be busy. Um, we think we're going to be, you know, doing some touring, and then we'll, I guess, we'll focus on the next record, and hopefully we'll be able to keep. We like, you know, we like to have this. this I like this band to have a little more longevity since we're getting older, and yeah, um, 
we wanted to see, I guess sort of, this is sort of an, to see if we can grow old with dignity into this kind of music. <laughs> I don't know if this is, you know, if it's even possible. It's, uh, um, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wish you all the best in that sense. Are you already, you know, often the way these release cycles work, uh, the band is already halfway through their next record when the first one comes out. You know what I mean? Are you already in the process of uh, writing more songs? Oh yeah, that's that's really the that's really the fun one of the most fun, you know, aspects of being in a band. You, you writing songs is is really fun. So we we're always uh, messing around with songs. And if we don't have to, if we don't if we don't have to re- rehearse specifically to to go out and play, you know, we do the set the songs you know. Right. Um, that, then we'll be tinkering around with new ideas generally. And this is a going thing. Are you you're practicing what, a couple times a week kind of thing? You're you're, you're working yeah, on stuff. Yeah, we, we yeah, we practice as much as possible. Um, at, at least twice a week, and we not like the drill sergeant kind of thing. We, we, uh, <laughs> it's we, not uh, a job job yet. No, no, yeah. I, I I I don't know if it's possible with the kind of music we play, or and especially uh, the way things are now, to really have it be the only thing we do. Right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, uh, Rick. As you know, I'm a huge fan, and I want to thank you again so much for joining us today on the show. No, no sweat. I want to tell people that for more information about you, they can visit uh, rickfroberg.com. It's uh, R-I-C-K-F-R-O-B-E-R-G.com. And for more information about the Obits and their awesome new record, I Blame You, please visit obitsurl.com. That's a that's a clever uh, URL. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say. You might have, you could have put some WWWs in there too, and then it would have been really, really... I think there's, I think, I think that's just, that's just, uh, that's, Given. You always have to do the www. Yeah, no, but I'm saying you could have had uh, com, and then it would be very meta. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I that. Well, probably, probably for the best that you didn't. It's not a great idea, if I yeah. might say. Uh, <laughs> before we go, Rick, I, I thought I'd ask you to pick another new song for us to hear. A uh, new song. Let's see. Uh, how about how about the song called uh, Lilies in the Street? Lilies in the Street, that's a lovely title, a lot lovelier than I Blame You, which I, I must say seems a little pointed. Uh, <laughs> well, it's an instrumental, so it's, uh, it's, uh, that takes the edge off it a little bit. Okay, well that, that makes sense. Alright, let's, uh, let's hear that now. Here's Lilies in the Street from the new album I Blame You by Obits on the Meech Vish Interracial Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. There you go. That was, uh, Rick Froberg and I having a chat sometime in 2009. Uh, to discuss the first Obits album, I Blame You, uh, that interview originally airing on April 15th, 2009, on the Mish or Racial Morning Show on CFRU in Guelph, Ontario. Next up, another interview Rick and I did uh, for that same radio show. This is from episode 284, and it aired on April 6, 2011, and we were talking about uh, the second Obits album, Moody, Standard, and Poor. Here it is, myself and Rick Froberg. Mish Vish Generational Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. My name's Vish, and that was Brooklyn, New York's Obits, with no fly list from their excellent new record, Moody, Standard, and Poor, which is out now on Sub Pop Records. Our guest this morning is Obits singer, guitarist, and graphic artist Rick Froberg. Prior to forming Obits about six years ago now, I think, Rick played in influential underground rock bands like Pitchfork, Drive Like Jehu, and, and Hot Snakes, and he's also a renowned visual artist who, who may just have designed a, a record sleeve or t-shirt logo for one of your favorite bands. 
It's entirely possible. Uh, Obits have followed up their amazing 2009 debut LP, I Blame You, with a new, possibly even more powerful record called Moody, Standard, and Poor. Here to tell us more about this is Rick Froberg. Hey there, Rick. How's it going? Fine. Nice to have you back on the show. Nice to be back. And, and you're on the airwaves in Guelph. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a tiny little town of Guelph, Ontario, which I assume you've never been to. I haven't been there yet. I love the name, though. It's a good name. People often like the name. I remember once uh, Shellac, Bob Weston told me that a Shellac would only play Guelph, uh, over Toronto, rather, because he liked the sound of Guelph better. Is that is that an actual policy, or was he just kidding? I think he was kidding, because they ended up playing Toronto first. And uh, yeah, okay. I have never, never played Guelph. I'm still hoping that day comes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the same for Obits. It'd be nice if Obits bypassed Toronto to play a funnier-sounding town name. I don't know if we'll ever bypass Toronto. Toronto's a pretty good place to play. Yeah. And no. um, has good venues and stuff like that. But I, I have no problem playing with playing not in, not with, Guelph. Um, <laughs> when you, so, yeah. That, that would be nice. Hopefully we can make that happen someday. So I, I went on record recently. If you can go on record using Twitter and Facebook and stuff, I went on record saying that No Fly List is my favorite song of 2011. So no matter what happens for the rest of the year, I have to live with this. It's my favorite song. Yeah, <laughs> it's only March or April. Yeah. yeah, it's very early still in the <clears throat> year, but I've gone on record. It's a really, really interesting song. I'm curious. Can you tell us uh, what inspired this this idea of no fly list? Well, I mean, the first thing that inspired is I needed some lyrics. Probably. Have you mean have you meant the, have you meant, have you mean the, the content of the song, the lyrical content, or sure. do you mean the actual? Musical content. Well, uh, well, I hope both are kind of hand in hand a little bit. But yeah, sure. The lyrical content in particular strikes me as is very clever. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the delivery of it. It's just a very catchy uh, song. I what inspired it? The first verse is sort of based on like a play playground rhyme, I think that I remember from childhood. Uh, and I guess the rest of it is just. Sort of inspired by sort of uh, the current climate. I don't know. Sure, sure. Political climate or whatever. I don't know. Social climate. I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, eh, I don't know. We'll listen to it and see what they think. I guess they already have. Well, we've already heard it. Yeah. No. I, I, people who've heard it, I think, like it. We've been trying to play it on the show as when, whenever we can. Michelle, did you beep it? No, we don't beep it. No, of course not. We're not. Well, it's Canada. I forgot. We can do whatever we want in Canada. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, I know, likes the song Naked to the World. That's whenever we have a little uh, Obits argument, which that would be weird if we had Obits arguments. It's never really happened, but she really enjoys Naked to the World. I enjoy No Fly List. I think, I think, and this is obviously open to interpretation, feels like you're capturing the idea of mar marginalization. And, and I don't think it's just these two songs. I think it may be, it's maybe occurring throughout the record. Is that drawn from... If that's true, is it drawn from a personal perspective, or is this just a narrative you're adopting? Um, I think it's just, I think, I think I don't know, I don't really uh, think it's set out to do anything like that, but I think, uh, you know, you mean what's the, what is the record about? Well, uh, I, I don't mean as a whole, because that would be, that, that could be a longer interview, but maybe, sure, yeah. Well, yeah, you know what, I am asking that, Rick. What is this record about? Because to me... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't. I didn't really. There's no. There was no idea behind that. There was no theme behind that. But I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's just kind of about the sort of a feeling of powerlessness in general. And yeah. Uh, and you know, when you're 
in uh, in every facet of your life or my life or I guess in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, I guess that's probably as close to true as anything else. You know, it's interesting to me. You're one of my favorite songwriters. Like I like your I like your lyrics a lot. I like the ideas you come up with. Whenever I talk to you, though, you seem to downplay the lyric lyrical aspect of of your band's work, whatever band you're in. I I I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to downplay it, but I I I, I don't uh, I don't uh, you know. I'm kind of, it could be high school poetry, as far as I, I mean. It's that's probably that's probably what it is, more or less. I mean, I I, I don't. Uh, some of these things are pretty obvious, and I don't like to make things more obvious than they already are because you know you want to have. You can have people to have some sort of interpretation of things, and if you if you explain things to people, then then you know you've kind of it's kind of tyrannical in a way. You've, you've said, "Oh, this is what this song is about," and I think, "Oh yeah, that's what it's about." It came from the horse's mouth, right? Um, and I don't uh, I don't know. I don't really set out to say anything in particular. I just kind of start putting crap on paper or whatever. <laughs> See, and there 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 it is. That's the downplaying. That's the downplaying thing I'm talking about. That's something you've said before. You're like, ah. No, I don't know. That's just, that's just my my bent. I'm not sure why I did that. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it's and I appreciate the fact that you don't want to lead people to the water, so to speak, or whatever. But I, okay, let's let's look at no fly list again, just for a second. I want to move on. But I, this idea of marginalization—have you yourself felt marginalized uh, in, in recent years? I don't think marginalized. Like I said, it wasn't uh, marginalization. Is not not really. I mean, the margins is just narrowed in general. Narrowed, and, uh, okay. Um, uh, I think for people who live certainly in America and, and elsewhere, probably it's certainly worse elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not in Canada. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think marginalization is the right word. Okay, that's and I to be fair, I came up with that word. And, that's fine. And, and I, um, I I may have ruined. I think, your I think people feel, uh, or at least you know, there's a certain. Like I don't know, poverty of inspiration and energy, and uh, you just—I just—I don't know. It's just, it's just uh, things are just, just you know, just seem like they're going to shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, not the things. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, it's just we're all really innocent before or something. I don't know. Yeah. I—I—it's I, 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 really hard. For, it's really hard for me to to explain that. You know what I'm exactly. That might be one reason why you write the songs you write, I guess, in a way, You're trying to convey well, to convey that expression. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I, if I could, if I, if I was good at doing that, then I, you know, I, got my speaking tour or something like that. But <laughs> that's not going to happen. And um, so, yeah, you, you know, music is a way you express yourself, and, and you know, and hopefully entertain other people. Um, right. So you kind of, you kind of straddling a weird line there. Absolutely. I, I can see that in your in your artwork for your own bands, uh, you you occasionally create characters. They're sometimes kind of human like, other times they might be a little more surreal, abstract, maybe cartoony. I guess could be a word someone would use. I'm curious, and this this is going to be a tough question, maybe. But how does your conception of your graphic characters when you're when you're coming up with characters, how does that differ from how you go about writing songs about people? Because on the new record, I, I feel like you're writing songs a lot about. But different kinds of people from different perspectives, their own, other people's. I, I'm curious. Is there a connection there? Do you think between your your graphic art and when you're writing songs about figures and people? 
I've been at this before. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's a connection. I mean, it's. it's I mean, it's coming from the same source, me. Um, but uh, I don't know if I'm writing about other people so much. I, I write about my own perspective more than that. More than more than I write about other people. Don't really. Is that right? I, I hear like you write it a lot in the first person, and I, I sometimes think that you're telling a story about someone's, like from someone else's perspective. I never think of it maybe, as maybe I'm not sure. I I, I don't uh, I don't feel like I am. I don't oh, okay. feel like I, I don't I don't you know I'm not saying I feel like oh these things are universal and I just kind of uh, it's kind of, it's a dumb process. I mean you know I you know uh, once it's done then I have some idea of, of what it what it is or what it or what, what or no this is. This seems good. Yeah. This, this seems true on some level or, or whatever, or this is going to have to do because I need some lyrics here. Um, it's, it's just like stumbling around for me. I'm not, I'm not like Bob Dylan or something. You know? I, I, I really love Bob Dylan. Sometimes, okay, you're, I was going to give you a high compliment and say sometimes you're like Bob Dylan, but that might be a bit crazy. I'm, I'm probably nothing like Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, I really admire Bob Dylan's lyricism. I think it's very, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of people do. He kind of invented contemporary songwriting in a lot of ways, but I can see, I can see connections between you, your the, the level you're at and someone like Dylan for sure. I I think that you know that's I mean that's pretty I mean that's very nice. I, I um, but I don't. Uh, I definitely wouldn't put myself in the same category as Bob Dylan. I mean, Bob, I mean, everyone's, you know, all rock and roll music, you know, is kind of influenced by Bob Dylan's thing, I think. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it wouldn't be. Um, and, you know, so anytime you hear that that kind of thing, um, I'm not saying it's, that he's the source of that, but he might be the, one of the first people to say, you know, oh, this. I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's uh, a hard time. You know. No, I understand. It's a it's a it's a tricky question too because I'm uh, I guess what I'm saying is that I think you you've taken some high minded ideas and put them into wordplay that is really clever and I appreciate that. And then within your artwork, I just I guess I'm wondering between the songwriting and and, and the artwork is is one more fantastical than the other because you got a little more license to be uh, slightly uh, stranger or weirder when you're drawing stuff maybe or that's my perception as someone who doesn't draw. Or make you art. Do, you do if it's for yourself, and if it's if it's something where you're not, you know, you're at the top of the chain as far as what's going to happen and what what you can do. I mean, if if, uh, if you're doing work for somebody else, you don't have the, that, you know, those. Yeah, that's true. There's parameters, I guess. You do that. So, but uh, yeah, when it's yourself, you know, you can you do what you want, say what you want, and um, it's a good position to be in. Uh, doesn't pay very well, but um, that's yeah, that's that's the reason to be in a band and to be. Do your own thing. Right. I'm starting to pick up on little threads between uh, the Obits releases, like, uh, and I don't know if this is a coincidence or not. Like, for example, you had, you had a song there called uh, uh, what, I Can't Lose? I Can't Lose. Yeah, uh, the 7-inch, the one that came out of the 7-inch? Yeah. Yeah, we have a song all that. And then on the new record, first song, You Gotta Lose. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> I realized that, uh, yeah, there's some themes that are being repeated, or at least the... Uh, <laughs> The titles have the, use a lot of the same words. Um, yeah, I thought about that, and uh, I decided I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Does it mean anything? Do you think? Or I mean, it's obviously you're you're the guy. You're well, it the... means I'm repeating myself. I mean, but uh, <laughs> but it's I the mean, it's the opposite. I can't lose. You got to lose. I mean, those are that to me is a little bit interesting. The, the idea that it's the it's repeated opposite. 
Yeah, yeah. It is, I mean, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've always felt that uh, I had, I don't know, an ability or a proclivity to look at things from more than one side. Sure. Um, sometimes that's not so good because it leads to, you know, indecision. And uh, you probably, yeah, that's, that's a lot of that goes into stuff like your band. Right. So, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with it, but it, it, when you're a when you're a hack journalist like me, that's like you, you seize on that. You're like, oh, that's something. That might be something. Well, you know, I'm a hack musician, <laughs> so I mean, I understand. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, same. I just, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, it's is it like an inside joke almost to you, like on some level, like there's little connections that way, or is it just completely random and coincidental? It sounds like the latter. I don't. It's, I don't think it's either one. I mean, if 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 it if I I just don't I just don't like to. Uh, I, it was not intentional, really. Okay. Okay. I try to try not to uh, have too many fixed uh, ideas about doing this kind of thing. I, you know, you you have your your own prejudices, and and those just kind of come out, and you. That's that's how it works. Last album's called I Blame You. Last song on Moody Standard and Poor, I Blame Myself. Right. Well, the, well, that's, 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 that might be more of an inside joke because, uh, first of all, it's an instrumental, there's no lyrics, and, and also the, uh, that, the, the second, it's just kind of almost like a version of the same thing, sort of. It's, 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 uh, it's got, it, it refers to the same riff and stuff like that, so uh-huh. we, we just, uh, I don't know, we, just, we decided, or... We decided it was okay to repeat yourself, and you know it's the same band. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, think it's. I think it's okay to repeat if you're. If you know, it's it's it's, it's your thing. You do you do it over and over again, and um, you know it's okay to. I think it's okay to repeat yourself a little bit. No, no, and I'm. Yeah. I, I like. I was uh, what I was saying is I like that. It, it almost seems like uh, these are things that are connected. There's a thread between all of our our work, and in some way, here are little hints about mm-hmm. about what I don't know. I don't know what are their hints for. But that's what it feels like. They're little crumbs to, to like some kind of treasure or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of times, you know, I, I have the same sort of, I have the same questions about this that anybody else who gave a shit would have. You know, I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't entirely know. Like when, uh, when these things are finished and and um, you've had a while to let them, you know, let them sit in a dark room or something, leave them alone. You come back and look at them. Then you have, you know, you might, you know, have a better idea about what you were doing. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, if you do everything based on your intentions, you're going to get really stiff stuff. Yeah, stuff that's uh, that's just kind of uh, tied down to your your prejudices and your your preconceptions and things like that, and, and you're not going to get anything really that uh, surprises you or um, eh, not inspires you, but uh, tells you anything, even about yourself or whatever. So right. So yeah, you make music or whatever it is you make, whatever you're involved with. That you're could be anything, could be I don't know, yoga or something. I don't know. Uh, do you do yoga? No, not really. No, I do. I do a little bit of exercise, but uh, yoga. I, I tried doing yoga and uh, I liked it. I couldn't do it at home by myself. Really, I, I just didn't. I just. Uh, it was more fun in a class with you know some nice lady and you know yeah because they've got the so- they've got the soothing voice they've got the uh, music sometimes and they've got uh, the, the yeah hopefully not the music usually I, I, I just like, <laughs> I don't really like the music but but uh, I, I did like uh, being in a room and sort of 
sort of uh, submitting myself to someone else's authority um, in that way. Huh. Um, but when you're by yourself, it's you know you're just kind of it's not the same. No, it's although inter- you know I might try it sometime. You know, I'm, I'm not against it. I just started this year, uh, like a, a couple months ago, and I've been I've been actually kind of enjoying it and the blocks and stuff like it's all the stuff that I don't know where you buy that stuff like I couldn't I was thinking like it'd be nice if I did this at home but I don't even know where you get that stuff I have the mat all I have is that mat you, I think you get the blocks the same place you get the mat or you know your local whatever hippie store yeah I guess I store. yeah I think you can get that stuff pretty easily see that's just it I, I see wooden blocks and I think that must be some she must have got that from like some secret place well the one blocks I've seen are foam blocks no, these are these are wooden blocks. They've got the foam blocks. I think we actually have those at home. We do have those wow, at home. But there is. <laughs> we could probably make the wooden blocks, can you? I guess I don't. I don't know how to. I don't. Yeah, I guess. What do you like? Chop down a tree, make plane the wood. I, it sounds like a lot of work. I just want to relax. Right, dig, go, go to a construction site and you know rate it and take some two by fours and nail them together and sand them off a little bit so they don't get splinters. Or it just it does uh-huh. not. That doesn't sound relaxing. Yoga is all about being relaxed, and that just sounds like a lot of work. I just want to get the block. Maybe I should just steal the blocks. I was actually thinking I might steal the blocks. Yeah, you could. Seems like a good kind of defeat. To... But then yoga is all about karma, and then it weigh yeah, on me. Yeah, it, it, it might be, be some bad karmic energy in there. If you... <laughs> it's kind of a drag. I was just curious because yoga it, it it helps me a little bit. I like it. Yeah, I think that's the whole idea. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Uh, the last time we spoke, Obits was still kind of a new band. You'd uh, at the time you'd express some hope that uh, the fact that you were all kind of mature guys, you'd been in bands before that broke up, maybe a little too soon, you're hoping that this one was one that you guys could, I think you used the expression age into, like keep doing it for a long time, but also it was music that you felt uh, secure about aging into. Uh, does that still hold true today? Do you do you, do you feel that way at, at this point? I don't know. Um, I uh, I don't know. I, I um... Do you remember saying this? Uh, I, I, yeah, probably, I probably said it. I, um, I, I'm sure I said it. I'm sure you have it on tape someplace. Oh, um, yeah, I can play it back for you right now if you want. No, nah, I, I, I can't. I, I, can't. I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I definitely don't necessarily feel mature. <laughs> so that's why I've been, I feel older. Um, uh, older, older might be the word. Yeah, sorry, I, I threw in mature. To, I didn't want to say that you guys were older because I thought it might be offensive. So, that is something you didn't say. You might have said, we're a little older now. Yeah. But who am I to call you old? I, not, I don't know. <laughs> old you are. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. I mean, is the, does the band feel very secure right now? Does it feel like uh, as secure as it ever has? I don't feel secure about anything, really. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I really am looking for security in life. I don't think I've ever really did that. Um, if I had, I'd be in certainly different straits than I'm in now. But no, not looking for security, um, not looking for stability, looking to do something that we like and something that's good. And uh, however long it lasts, how long it lasts. I mean, these things have a have a life like anything else. You know, sometimes they die quick. Sometimes they go on go on for a while. And, you know, yeah, you just work yeah. it out moment by moment. So it's it's, uh, it's hard to say. How about this? Are you enjoying being an obits, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That's fun. Does it seem like a band you'd want to be in for as long as you possibly can kind of thing? Are you feeling good about it? Yeah, it feels pretty good. But that said, you know, I was I was in bands before and I probably said the same thing, so Right. You you're trying to be cautious this time. No, I'm just trying to not bullshit anybody. I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I, I'd like to stay in the band, and then uh, hopefully the band. I mean, we're not. There's, there's no impending breakup here or anything like that, so it's, it's uh, we're all doing pretty good. Yeah, you've uh, got a bunch of tour dates coming up too, so I assume everything is. Yeah, you, but as, as you know, there's, there's practical things as well. I mean, as you as you get older, um, it's harder and harder to sustain a band to to be in a band on this level because it's on a small level. We don't make very much money at all. Yeah, and uh, you have to pay your rent, and you have to do that somehow, and and uh, it's getting harder and harder to do that being in this sort of you know whatever small time rock band um it's not easy and it's um as you get older your energy levels are a little more compromised and all those things and also your the context that you play in is changing and you know people are people of all ages aren't interested in us i mean kids aren't interested in our band a lot of people who are in their, you know, in their thirties and forties and stuff like that. Maybe a couple people in their twenties. I don't know. I don't you see. I, 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 I can kind of see that. I can maybe agree with it as being being someone in my early thirties. I, I can see that. But you're making kind of timeless rock and roll music on a, on a lot of levels. So like more so in this band than maybe almost any other band you've been in. Uh, maybe I don't. I mean, we'll we'll see how timeless it is in twenty or thirty years. But sure, uh, uh, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of a lot of difficulties in uh, sustaining this kind of thing. Yeah, you, and and the only way to you know used to sell records before used to. Uh, I mean, all the expenses have gone up, but the pay is the same. It's uh, it's harder to keep doing. Well, I hope you keep doing it, Rick. I really do. I I, I, since I hope so too. I, I mean, I like it a lot. I just uh, you know you kind of you did stop there for a while, and I and some of us kind of missed it. You were in, in between. I stopped for like six years or whatever. I was I wasn't in the band for that was no good for anyone. I'm telling you. I, I'm telling I don't you. Know. It's good no, for me. It was, I think it was okay for me. That's <laughs> all right. Fine. It was fine for you. I didn't like it. I, I can't oh. even speak for anyone else. I'll just tell you, I was not a fan of that decision, and uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy you're back, Rick. I'm just happy you're back making music. It's good. Well, thanks. You're, you're very welcome. Our guest today was Rick Froberg of Obits, one of the best rock and roll bands in the world for kids of all ages. I tell you. You really gotta, you really gotta get an Obits if you don't know who they are. They've just released their second album, Moody Standard and Poor, which is a very evocative title, Rick, if I might say. Moody Standard and Poor. Is that, are you quoting something there? Uh, well, you, you know what, uh, the S&P are and Moody's are. They're credit rating agencies. Oh, is that right? Okay. So I'm, I, you know, I'm not American. Standard and Poor's and Moody's. They're both, they're both credit rating agencies. Right. So you, you, another little, uh, a way of uh, addressing the current, uh, <laughs> vaguely, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of uh, addressing the current economic climate in your country. Uh, oh boy. Man, <laughs> I really want to avoid having people think that. But I mean, it, it just, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I could refer to it in terms of music. You know? <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, it's just, a, just, you know, it's a. Maybe it's loaded. I don't know. I never thought of that. I, that, I don't think. The, I, actually, maybe it is Moody Standard. I don't think it's poor, but the music is uh, Moody and not Standard. Oh boy! Now you've got me backtracking on a thing that I said to you or something. <laughs> I, I don't know what just happened there. You can learn more about picking up Moody Standard and Poor at subpop.com or obitsurl.com. Uh, the band is touring parts of North America, including uh, Montreal on April 9th, and they're also going to Europe over the next few months. Again, check out obitsurl.com for all of your obits needs. Uh, before we go, Rick, I hope you might pick a, a song for us to hear from 
Moody Standard and Poor and uh Oh, I'm going to defer to your wife. We'll keep playing naked to the world. That way, uh, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's happy. <laughs> okay. Appreciate that very much. My favorite song, her favorite song. Uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, Naked to the World by Obits on the Mishvi Generational Morning Show on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Thanks again for being on the show again, Rick. Much, uh, much, uh, appreciated. No problem, man. Thanks so much for having me again. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. And we'll, I hopefully, Maybe we'll see up there in uh, um, Guelph or Toronto or something. I hope so. I absolutely hope so. All right. There you go. There was that. Okay. Now I'm going to present one last piece of uh, archival audio for you. And I did not remember that this existed. Uh, I, I decided to, I was going through what I thought I had, what I remembered having. Uh, and then I decided to just check my website. I used my own website, the search function, vishkana.com, for a quick plug. And I typed in Rick Froberg, and this came up. August 12th, 2011, apparently I connected with Rick Froberg to talk about Hot Snakes playing uh, some reunion shows um, for the first time since breaking up in uh, 2005. And they were, I did not know this existed. I forgot doing this. Uh, it was, I, it was not, I think I was on a paternity, I was on a parental leave because my child is just born, uh, which Rick alludes to uh, actually here. And so I, I think I wasn't working, I was working at the time for CBC uh, Radio 3 and was on parental leave from there. And I guess I must have done this for Exclaim Magazine. I haven't looked it, looked it up. And it's literally me calling Rick up not meant for any kind of um, audio consumption by anyone else, and it's just us having a chat about um, the hot snakes uh, coming back. And um, I think that's going to be it uh, for this memorial episode. Um, So I just wanted to share these things with people who might want to hear Rick's voice again and and maybe in different contexts and contexts that haven't been heard in a long time if at all by some of you and uh uh for what it's worth it helped it helped me uh deal with losing him uh to go through these things and remember these conversations so uh, i hope it helps you and if it doesn't i understand i um but i hope you find if you're hurting and you miss rick froberg i hope you find solace in something and knowing that he made huge impact artistically um, musically and with his visual art and all sorts of other ways socially and uh, I will miss him forever this is really a hard one and I can't believe it I really can't this isn't the last time what I'm presenting to you isn't the last time Rick and I ever spoke of course but um, uh, it is one of the last things I have before starting this show and uh so i'm sharing it it's it's sort of it's short relatively speaking and uh yeah thanks for listening to this and uh yeah be well i don't know thank you so much uh, rick froberg for everything great friend and a great inspiration thank you thanks all enjoy Myself and Rick, uh, again, I believe this conversation uh, took place around August 12th, 2011.
Yeah, so I was just calling to ask some hot snakes related questions. So first of all, yeah, I guess the the basic thing is why what's going on? Why are you reuniting for this uh, all tomorrow's parties thing? Uh, we get asked, you know, and uh, we decided to do it. Yeah, it kind of came out of the blue. We uh, thought it would be good, a good idea, so you know, got offered good money to do it. Thought it'd be fun to do it, so we we did it. And then uh, since we're doing it, we figured uh, I might as well do a few more. Right. So, do you have any details yet about the few more? Uh, I do not. Um, the only the only other, th- other thing I can talk about really is the fun, fun, fun festival in Texas. I think it's on uh, November fifth. Right. Um, and that's that's the only thing I can really uh, that's really confirmed. Okay. And the rest of the stuff, it might be. There might be a few other shows. That's that's what I understand from John's post. Right. On, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, there'll be a few other things, I'm sure. Have you have you ever been asked to reunite uh, prior to this? Uh, first of all, who at ATP specifically invited you? Was it Les Savi Fab? Savi Fab did. Okay. And, um, and have you been asked before? Nope. Nope, we've never been asked. Um, other bands have been asked. Driver Jehu was asked before uh, to uh, to do various reunion things. Right. Um, and has that, has that ever been a possibility? It's different with Dialogue Jehu. I think different difference with Dialogue Jehu and, and Hot Snakes is, is that uh, everybody in that, it's in Hot Snakes, you know, is an active musician, whereas uh, in Dialogue Jehu that's not the case. Um, hmm. And uh, I think it's a different matter when you have uh, people who haven't played music at all, you know, for years and years and years and years uh, doing so and then you know people who are in a together do it it's a different thing right okay and was it I mean Hot Snakes did sort of kind of reunite once before uh, not really I mean, we played a few couple songs at, uh, at the Casbah it wasn't like a reunion it was just like uh, we played some Hot Snakes songs um, right but it was everybody it was like the original it was everybody from the band definitely yeah yeah, and and so it was like an Obits Night Marcher show. They all, everyone was there, and and you, you all played. That that's just how it worked. Yep, yep. That was that was, that was that's true. What I it wasn't it wasn't like an official hot next reunion where we practiced or anything like that. We probably practiced for fifteen minutes before we played, or, or, <laughs> or before right before we all played our sets, and then we just went on, kind of fumbled our way through a couple songs. Now, the, if I remember correctly, you and I talked about this before. I think when Hot Snakes did announce. That you were ending things, uh, and it was pretty amicable on on many levels. You, if I understand things correctly, it was a geographic consideration, right? You had moved to Brooklyn. The rest of the band still based in what, California, I think. I had lived in Brooklyn the entire time I was in Hot Snakes. Oh um, it's, well, geez, then I I am wrong. But it was, uh, you know, we we were a long ways away, and it was difficult to practice and things like that. And yeah, and there are other considerations and um, and other things that that make you know you just get sick of being in a particular band and so you stop doing it. Um, right, right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Is there a certain uh, excitement about doing these these shows, sort of like a, a official reunion shows? Yeah, everyone's pretty excited. I mean, everybody who's, uh, who's going to be playing is excited. I think that uh, it's, from what it sounds like, it sounds like people are pretty interested in general. Um, it, it's... The band certainly seems like it's more popular, sort of now than it was when we were around. <laughs> so, 
we're receiving better billing and things like that. Uh, but I guess that's you know often the case with bands that break up and get back together. Yeah, why? Why is that? What, what do you suppose it is? It is it because people? It seems more precious then. It seems like uh, I guess people yeah. don't realize what they've got until it's gone, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and then you know, there's there's people who come along and who hadn't, who were you know, just like were too young or whatever, or missed it back then, and uh, there's there's just didn't find out about it. But uh, yeah, you know, it's who knows why. I mean, I, I mean, that's it could be something that. Uh, Mr. Waters, the world is dry, or some kind of right. like that. Right, <laughs> right, okay. I don't think I don't think it's yeah, whatever. I don't think it's it's like a band is an essential thing, but it's uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it just it does it, it's happening more and more. It's just it's everyone is kind of uh, realizing that there's an audience far greater now than there was even when they were, I suppose, slugging it out. Like it was maybe harder going before. For some reason, there's a reappreciation. I don't know what that means. Or if you've thought about it at all, but it's it does strike me as interesting that people are like that stuff that happened five, six, seven years ago is much better maybe than the stuff that's happening now or or whatever. And I want to. And now that I have a chance, I missed it the first time. Now that I have a chance to see it. I'm going to go and capitalize on it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That that does happen a lot now. I I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure why. I mean, I think that also, you know, like I said, if 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 these bands are much more popular than they were when they were around, and you get, you know, they get paid a lot more. So yeah, yeah, which is great. Kind of <laughs> I mean, I I think it's fine. I mean, I, I I don't have a problem with it, seeing as you know, I still play, you know, in a band now, in like Indianapolis for you know door deals and stuff like that. So it's uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's not it's not exclusively that, but we definitely are going to make some money off it. And it's also it's also something we also like the band. And um, we want to play. It sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. Have you figured out yet if it's uh, Jason or Mario playing drums? Uh, I think. Uh, well, that's that's that depends on who's available. Uh, I think uh, for ATP it'll be it'll be Jason. Oh, okay. It's possible. Uh, it's possible Mario might still be involved. Uh, yeah, definitely. Mar- Mario's Mario's pretty busy. Um, he's in off and. Uh, Earthless, and he's got a band called Spider Fever, and et cetera, et cetera. He's a busy dude. So, um, hmm. whereas uh, you know, Jason's in the Night Marchers, which is essentially Hot Snakes without me and the band. Right. So, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that always makes me be available. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the same uh, people. I mean, all, all except for with Tom as well. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And uh, at this point, it's it's likely way too early. You you know, I'm calling you from Canada, and 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 at this point, you have no no ideas yet as to whether or not the one because when when I heard East Coast as uh, primarily where you might be playing, in I suppose in preparation or whatever, just to have more shows before you head over to England, or uh, is that right? Is well, that well? I mean, well, definitely. We're def- I mean, with, with, not sure how far or how much of this we're going to do. There's a um, a lot of considerations uh, beyond just you know what we want to do. This uh, John's back has been kind of bad, and we have to. Uh, oh, we're not sure. We're not sure about how that's going to work out, and and uh, we are going to play on the East Coast. Uh, you know, probably New York. Um, it's a jumping off spot for ATP. We'll probably play some places in Europe. Beyond that, like you know, playing in Toronto or Montreal or. Or Vancouver or whatever. I'm not sure yet if, hmm. if that under that. 
Um, I'm not sure if he'll, he'll even come to this playing on the West Coast. I'm not sure. Don't okay. Know. Just don't know but, yet. Okay. Oh, yeah. You haven't... You, yeah, you know, everyone has their, their usual bands, and they want to get back to doing that, and and uh, me included. So uh, we don't really know how much of this we're going to do. Right. You haven't had a practice or anything yet? Uh, not a proper practice, no. We'll have to start practicing uh, probably, uh, you know, a week before going out to uh, Texas. Okay. And And... Strictly, probably stuff that people have heard before. Like you're going to work on. You're, you're not going to be working on stuff. You're 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 playing some of the older songs. That, that's definitely not. That's definitely not in the works. I mean, we don't have any new material or anything like that. Um, but I don't know what we'll do. I really don't know. <laughs> it's you. Have you had like the four of you or whoever's involved? You've you've all talked about this together. Or is it just like you kind of exchanged messages with John or something? Uh, mostly still on the phone. Yeah, yeah, okay. We haven't, uh, we haven't actually, we, you know, we haven't seen each other. I've seen, uh, seen Mario in person. Mm, last time I saw the Night Marchers was last summer. Right. So that's the last time I saw them. Okay. Uh, and we didn't really, we didn't really discuss it then. We just kind of did this one thing. It was never like a, uh, something we planned to do. Uh, we just got offered ATP, which is a good deal and sounded like a lot of fun. So we did that and we decided to, uh, um, do a few more. See how it went. Right. Okay. I have a question. Uh, the back catalog for the Hot Snakes band is kind of is, is it? It's not really available. Is that right? Um, supposedly it's available. I I I I, uh, I I'm not sure. That's more of a question for John. Um, I I don't really know what the status is with Swami Records. Um, yeah, because I, I went to the site and I went to I was going to try and buy some Hot Snakes vinyl and I couldn't find any. And then when I was just looking through what was available, there was like I think an audit in progress CD. That's it. That's it. That's uh-huh. all. I, that's all I saw on the site. And then when I've gone to records, I've been because I'm actually missing uh, my copy of Automatic Midnight. So I was just trying to find stuff and then I couldn't find anything. And like record stores are like, yeah, I can't get anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh... That is something I've heard definitely. Okay, um, so is there any? Ch- I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much to do. I don't. I have. Um, I don't have anything to do with the. Uh, the that's that side of it, really. Okay. Is you, so you have no idea if there's any plan at this point. Wait, sorry. Is Swami not? What is the deal with Swami right now? You don't know. I don't know. You don't I mean, know. I, I, I don't know what this. This. I. I, I guess it's. They have a site still. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Don't know. yeah. It hasn't. It doesn't look know. like it's been updated for in terms of newer stuff in a while yeah I, yeah i guess not I, I, i'm not exactly sure um so well i mean yeah i don't know there's no there's at this point you have no idea if there's any plan to repress uh hot snakes records for for these shows or anything like that um there's no there's no plan to do so no it's, okay. uh, uh, it's nothing to do with that um um, I'm not sure what the, uh, the deal with that. But there might be a, there's probably a, a decent chance that that could happen, right? I mean, you're out on the road, you might want to bring some records. Um, it, w- it, uh, it would make sense to have records to, to, to sell, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I'm not sure. I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. if you want to ask, you should ask John. Okay. That's all right, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll send John a message. All right, well, thanks for that uh, hot stink stuff. Before I let you go, is there uh, you've got some obits shows coming up? Uh, yeah, we'll be in, we'll be in Toronto and Montreal. Uh, uh, you're doing uh, London, Ontario, Ottawa, uh, Toronto. 
Uh, there you go. I don't that's know. That's all in October, that, right? In October? Yeah, I think that's all in October. Yes, that's right. It's like a yeah. Monday, cool. Tuesday, Wednesday thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's looking forward to doing that. Now, uh, is, it, is it true that the Obitz also has a new drummer? Yes, it is true, yeah. We have a new drummer. And and who is your new drummer? Uh, Alexis Fleissig. He was in uh, Girls Against Boys and Soulside and... Uh, oh, okay, Bellini. wow. Bellini. Yeah, he's, uh, he's great. Good drummer. So. Oh, good. So what, what what happened? Why did you lose a drummer? Uh, Scott was... Uh, he just wanted to um, concentrate on doing his work and, and when he had time off to spend... Uh, you know, on himself and uh, what he wanted to do, he wanted to do other things, and I, I, you know, I think it's pretty understandable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's, it's 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 difficult to to have a full time job and then do this whenever you have an opportunity for vacation or whatever, and you you know you're married and you want to do things with your wife or whatever, you know, to to uh, just sort of dedicate it to this. Okay. That. So you got a new drummer and but, everything is well in Obits. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's great. We're gonna we're about to. I think we're gonna we're leaving on Thursday to go to the West Coast and uh, uh, from you know, Vancouver down to San Diego. We'll trip and then um, uh, I think the next time we're, we're going to Texas sometime in October. We're playing uh, those shows that you're talking about in October as well. Okay, cool. Just want to make you know. I'm just making sure that. Well, I'm not making sure. I just was curious if the band's status was healthy. I was a little nervous when I heard Scott was leaving. Not. not oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, it's it's, it's getting there. We've 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 been practicing. In fact, I have a good practice right now with uh, with Alexis, and we're trying to get it all sorted out. Um, so it's uh, so it's good to go. Okay, good. He's a good drummer. Okay, cool. Well, Rick, I appreciate the time, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna write up a little thing about this. And all okay, right. Well, good. thanks. Thanks for calling, Dish. Um uh, congratulations again on on the uh, the youth. Yeah, uh, we got a we got a baby. It's a Levon. I just heard him crying upstairs. Actually, he's doing he's doing well, and uh, <laughs> we'll have to cry. <laughs> they're supposed to cry. They cry a little bit. Uh, they cry to. I think they cry to exhaust themselves a little bit. If that makes yeah. any sense, they need to cry to make themselves tired enough to sleep. Yeah, that's why I cry. <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that that's a that's a technique you use oh, yeah, as well? Yeah, great. Okay. Great. Like, yeah, better, better than counting sheep. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll try it. I haven't cried in a long time, so maybe I, <laughs> I maybe I need to do that. Um, yeah, and I'll see you when uh, Obits come to town, and and hopefully I'll, I don't know, I'll try and if the hot snakes thing isn't coming close to me, I'll try and make it down to New York or whatever. Okay. Um, I'll talk to you then. Then. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.